Welcome back to WeCast. I'm your host, Brock Benson. I hope everybody had a great week here in the West End, and congratulations to all the students who got to move into the new school up in Nucla. We sure love making history here in the West End, and that school marks the beginning of a new generation of student for us here in the West End, and I sure hope the teachers we have are up to the challenge of making sure the West End produces the best and brightest students to send out into the world to pursue life's successes. Winter weather continues this week with a sunny weekend in the forecast that may see temps creep up to the 50s by next Tuesday. But don't hold your breath. The sun still rises at 8 a.m. and sets at 4 p.m. on my house in Natarita. Winter in the canyon doesn't come with many perks, I'll tell you that. So go out and get some sunshine if you can. From the Trailhead Sound Lab in Natarita, Colorado, this is a 141 production in cooperation with the Rimrocker Historical Society and the San Miguel Basin Forum. This is Volume 74, Issue Number 34 of the San Miguel Basin Forum, bringing you all the headlines out of the West End of Colorado for the week of January 24th, 2024. As of January 15th, the price of uranium is $106. All right, making headlines this week in energy news, Uranium Market is Coming Back by Reagan Tuttle. Back in 2020, the price of uranium per pound was approximately $24. A year ago, it was around $50. Last week, though, the price of uranium went to $106 per pound. By the weekend, it had hit $108. There are now three uranium industry companies working in the West End, Western Uranium Vanadium, a local outfit, Thor Energy, headquartered in Australia, and Sunrise Minerals, based in Moab. There have been uranium industry jobs come available locally, and some of those have been posted in the San Miguel Basin Forum. Why is the uranium market gaining strength? Natarita Mayor Eugene Greenwood, who spent 37 years working in the industry down the road in Yerevan, agreed it's the new technology. His opinion, though, he admitted that he's no longer actively working in the field, is that the federal government is finally getting on board with uranium as a reliable energy source. Greenwood said the new reactors, he referred to them as package reactors, can run an entire city and no longer exist as big nuclear power plants with the waste stream required. The U.S. Department of Energy says on its website that advanced small modular reactors, SMRs, quote, are a key part of the department's goal to develop safe, clean, and affordable nuclear power options. End quote. And that the new technology is, quote, under development in the United States. End quote. And includes, quote, a variety of sizes, technology options, capabilities, and development scenarios. End quote. The site adds, quote, these advanced reactors envisioned to vary in size from tens of megawatts up to hundreds of megawatts can be used for power generation, process heat, desalination, or other industrial uses. SMR designs may employ light water as a coolant or other non-light water coolant such as a gas, liquid metal, or molten salt. End quote. Greenwood said in the past the government and mainstream media have painted a negative picture of nuclear power plants with the mushroom cloud and reinforced a false belief that, quote, we're all going to die, end quote. Greenwood said experts know more about radioactivity and safety now. He said officials are realizing that renewables can't power the nation. Quote, politically, governmentally, environmentally, they're realizing wind and solar aren't going to do it, end quote, the mayor said. And Greenwood said the carbon footprint associated with the wind turbine fabrication, construction, and more doesn't balance with the clean energy that wind power turbines are supposed to generate. He added that with the push to move away from coal and not converting to natural gas, uranium is the viable source. Greenwood said the American people could see rolling blackouts in the future with the number of power plants that are being shut down. 
Quote, my opinion on it, the government is finally starting to move, he said. Quote, I think the government has woken up to the fact that if we don't get something online, the American people are going to revolt, end quote. The Department of Energy also said on its site that small modular reactors have, quote, relatively small physical footprints, reducing capital investment, ability to be sited in locations not possible for larger nuclear power plants, and provisions for incremental power additions, end quote. The site added that there are, quote, distinct safeguards, security, and non-proliferation advantages, end quote. Currently, there is one nuclear processing plant in the U.S. and its station in Blanding, Utah. The plant prepares the uranium to become fuel for reactors. But George Glazier of Nucla has also announced in community meetings that he's building another processing plant in Green River, Utah. All right, in community news, John Reed is a new quartermaster at the VFW by Reagan Tuttle Editor. John Reed, originally from the local area and having recently returned, is quartermaster of the VFW post in Nucla. He spoke with the forum last week about his homecoming and some of the work the VFW does. Reed's great-grandfather on his mother's side was an engineer on the CC Ditch. His family has been a part of the West End since its establishment. He was raised in Nucla. He joined the U.S. Army in the 10th grade and left to serve after graduating Nucla High School. His 10-year military service included being stationed in Germany and later serving in Desert Shield and Desert Storm, the Persian Gulf War. Reed is a heavy equipment mechanic. In the Army, he served in companies where he worked on runways. In those cases, airports had been bombed and he helped repair those so aircraft could get back in. After being discharged, he settled in Denver and worked as a diesel mechanic for 30 years. He retired from what is now the Hurt Corporation after his wife's passing and then decided to go home to Nucla. Quote, here I am again, full circle, he told the forum last week. He's got two daughters, one who lives in Nucla and another who lives in Palisade. He has four grandchildren. He said he's getting used to knowing everyone in the West End again. He's still got some high school friends, including Paula Brown. He also joined the Chabawatch Trail Riders when he returned too and has served as vice president of the local horse group. After landing again in Nucla, the late Terry Daniels got him to join the VFW. Daniels was quartermaster previously until he passed this last year. Those at the local post asked Reed to assume Daniels' role thereafter, and Reed agreed. As quartermaster, he's now watching the VFW's finances and correspondence. The VFW exists in the same building as the community center in Nucla, recently redone and set to celebrate a grand opening on February 2nd. The veterans of foreign wars have dinners there and also assist the local cattlemen's association with theirs. The VFW has Memorial Day luncheons for the vets, too. They also provide honor guard for military funerals. Members are set to travel to Grand Junction for Jim Sheets service next. The VFW works with the Colorado Aviation Business Association, the CABA, and through their organization have also had food donations delivered to the West End for those who served. Reed said members try and help out all vets, not just those who served in wartime. Recently, the local VFW held the District Scholarship Contest on Democracy, Kieran Bray, Cole Bray, and Olivia Scott were winners. Teacher Stephanie Malcolm was also recognized, and all four people will be honored by the VFW in the near future. Reed said other projects will happen too. In May, the VFW members will help make improvements to the Paradox Cemetery as part of a national effort the VFW is participating in. Any veterans of foreign wars who'd like to join the local party must contact Reed or Tom Losey. While they don't have a phone at the headquarters, people may email VFW9058 at gmail.com. Reed's mother, who passed in 2019, was a part of the VFW Auxiliary. She used to tell Reed that if she lived in Nucla again, she'd have him in there. Reed agreed last week his mother would be pleased with his VFW work. All right, in Natarita news, Bank makes a new offer after announcing it can't close on school by Reagan Tuttle. 
Last week at the Town of Natarita's board meeting, Citizen State Bank Chairman Doug Price announced the bank could not complete purchase of the Natarita Elementary School at this time, a plan that has been discussed the last year. Town officials told the San Miguel Basin Forum last week that the news was hard to hear. Citizen State Bank had previously made the agreement to purchase the old elementary. That was after the school had been listed for some time and nobody had made any offers on it. Price had said the bank wanted to support the school since the district was required to get rid of the facility before finishing its best grant with the state. The bank was set to give $500,000 for it, and the official closing was upcoming to be held in the next month. Quote, the town of Natarita is surprised and extremely disappointed that Citizen State Bank terminated its contract to purchase the Natarita Elementary School as promised, officials said in a press release to the forum last week. Quote, it is our understanding that West End Public Schools relied on CSB's promise to their determent, and we hope the community will rally to support the school district as they pivot their plans, end quote. The news release added that Quote, in an effort of good faith and in the best interest of the community, the town of Natarita was collaborating with Citizen State Bank to provide property grounds maintenance post-sale, rezone the property, and begin exploring how to support lower property tax valuation. Unfortunately, there was great haste on the part of Citizen State Bank in the fourth quarter for us to provide property tax valuation support, and the Board of Trustees did not have sufficient time to evaluate the requests being made and potential ramifications before learning that the contract to purchase was terminated by Citizen State Bank, end quote. The forum spoke with Bank Chairman Doug Price on Monday about what had transpired. He said Citizen State Bank is not stepping away. He said the bank wants to help, but the school just got under contract in Norwood, and after doing the due diligence, there were red flags. With the taxes, the water bill, and maintenance, the bank would be paying $70,000 a year to keep the old facility running. That's on top of the $500,000 purchase price. Price said he needs community partners to make the deal work. Price said the original offer was intended to be helpful. He doesn't want to own the school property or to profit from it. He said the bank still supports the school and already has donated more than six figures to help with the new facility and the best grant. Currently, the bank is also providing some $70,000 in support of the new school and annually. Price told the forum Monday he's come up with another type of offer that he and Superintendent of West End Public Schools are discussing, along with the town of Natarita. The new plan is not final. Quote, we want to work with Clint and the mayor, Price said Monday. Quote, we want the school. 10% of our earnings are going to the school now. End quote. Waitilko said he couldn't discuss details on Monday. Quote, we are continuing to work with Citizen State Bank to find a solution for the Natarita Elementary Building, Waitilko told the forum. All right, West End General News, High School Sports Elections Solutions Group by Reagan Tuttle, editor. In high school sports last weekend, the girls' basketball team beat Dolores. The varsity girls won 49-23, and the JV girls won 35-12. Zandon Bray, head coach for the girls' team, was pleased afterward. Quote, we finally had a game that we played well in all four quarters, he said. Quote, we've had good streaks in all of our games, but have struggled to get four quarters together when all things were clicking. That happened for us against Dolores, end quote. Kieran Bray was high scorer in the varsity game against Dolores with 10 points. Holly Johnson led in the JV game with 12 points. The girls are 6 and 6. For the guys, they also won over Dolores. The varsity won 61-84 and the JV won 61-23. Bryson Rummel put up 24 points. Slade Gillen had 18 and Steele Arnold scored 11 in the varsity game. Head coach for the boys team, Kelly Arnold, said he was proud. The team is 7-3 this year so far. Quote, we could very well be undefeated, he told the four Monday. The wrestling team traveled to Hodgkiss for the fight at the Fork, the North Fork tournament. Then Arthur Connolly took 
took home another first-place title. He also received the Outstanding Wrestler Award. J.W. Naslin took third place, and Jackson McCabe ran out of matches but had a coin flip and took fifth. As a team, Nucla took ninth place overall out of 29 teams. In town-related news, it appears local communities will be holding elections this year. Packets to run for town board seats were due by 5 p.m. January 22nd. Norwood Town Clerk Amanda Pierce told the forum that there are two trustee seats available in Norwood and the town received three applications from potential candidates. If the signatures are verifiable, Norwood will hold an election this spring. In the West End, it's a similar story. In Natarita, there are three seats coming available, and the town received five applications from persons interested in serving. In Nucla, four people appear to be running for the three available seats. And Montrose County Commissioner Sue Hansen and the West End Solutions Group will meet January 24th at the Natarita Community Center. Hansen said they plan to discuss library updates, but also hear from the Director of Public Health for Montrose County, Jim Austin. Hansen said he'd be available for questions on public health, but mostly Austin is on site to discuss public health grants. All right, and now for our little nugget of joy this week, the history section from the Rimrocker Historical Society. This week we have Eurovan, Walkin' and Talkin' in the 1950s by Jane Thompson from the Rimrocker Historical Society. And we got a nice image of it looks like uh, the drugstore uh, with a payphone in Eurovan, image courtesy of the Rimrocker Historical Society. All right, this week Jane writes... My aunt, Jeannie Roadcap, has been here visiting with me for a few days. Aunt Jeannie moved to Yerevan with her family when she was three years old and my mother was almost five. She has wonderful memories of her life in Yerevan and we always have great visits. Over the years, she has written a few stories of life in Yerevan and I thought you might enjoy them, so I will share them over the next few months. This story is about the payphone at the drugstore in Yerevan. It is hard for us to imagine that there was only one phone for the whole town to use, but in the 1950s, That was the way it was. I remember when my family got our first phone. I was in the sixth grade, and it was a really big deal. Here's my aunt's story that ran in the San Miguel Basin Forum on December 7, 2006. I hope it takes you back to a simpler time. Quote, walking and talking in Yerevan in the 1950s. Cell phones, cell phones, everyone has one, and that got me thinking about living in Yerevan in the 1950s. You did a lot of walking if you wanted to talk to someone, because that's what you had to do. We didn't have telephones. Of course, there were telephones at the Union Carbide offices, the doctor's office, and the store, but none for the citizens of town. The only phone available to them was a payphone outside the drugstore. It could be used if you had enough change to keep putting in. If you ran out of change while talking, you had to run into the drugstore to get some more. People didn't use the phone unless it was really important. When an incoming call came, anyone walking by or just standing by the drugstore would answer it. But if no one was there to hear it, it went unanswered. Definitely not after the town shut down at 10 p.m. Usually, an employee at the drugstore would just take the message, and then they or someone else would take the message to the person in town. Of course, everyone knew everyone and where they lived. One time in particular, Harry Roadcap, who managed the drugstore for a time, had a call from my friend Pat L. in Aztec, New Mexico, to go up to her parents' house and tell them that she had eloped. I was lucky enough not only to live in Yerevan at the time, but to be a teenager. We spent time climbing the hills around Yerevan, listening to records, and walking and talking. If we wanted to see our friends, we went to the drugstore for a Coke or the recreation hall to watch the boys play basketball. You didn't know who would be at the movies on Tuesday and Thursday night. The only two nights the movies were shown until you got there. Other than having no phones, we didn't have TV. That came after about 1956 or 57. 
We listened to the radio and played records. Like I mentioned, the doctor's office probably had a phone, but if you were sick, you just went to the office and you were taken on a first-come, first-served basis. If you needed to see a specialist or a dentist, you could use the town phone or write a letter for an appointment. If anyone ever got stranded on the road between Yerevan and Natarita, and it happened, they just had to wait until someone came by and helped or gave them a ride. Our school bus was so unpredictable it often broke down on the way to Nuclear Natarita, and we just sat there and waited until help arrived. Our parents never knew whether we made it to school on time or not until we got home that evening. The Yerevan boys who stayed after school to practice sports, if no one had a car, they just had to start walking until they got a ride. Parents didn't worry. They knew the boys would get home sometime. When my dad, Rodney Evans, was out in some remote area drilling for Union Carbide, we had no way of communicating. If we needed to get a message to him, we would tell the mine superintendent, and he would tell dad on his next trip to the area. It was quite a town with a limited phone service, but we didn't know any other way. I left Yerevan in 1960, and they got phones not long after that. To this day, I don't care much about the telephone, but it is a necessity. I would much rather walk and talk. <laughs> there you have it, folks. That's all the news for this week. Thank you, Reagan Tuttle, for bringing us another great week of sharing what's happening in the West End, and thank you to Jane Thompson for another great story from the archives. And thank you for tuning in. Before we get out of here today, let's get this week's birthdays and anniversaries on the board. All right, celebrating birthdays on Wednesday, January 24th are Delaney Jones, Alyssa Johansson, Keenan Brune, Bryce Steffen, and Sierra Cairo. Happy birthday, gang. Happy anniversary to Galen and Jane Thompson, and as well to Mark and Raynette Cairo. Thursday, January 25th, say happy birthday to Peter Schmalz and Candace Tomlinson. Friday, January 26th, say happy birthday to Alyssa Best Walker and Sadie Hendrickson. On Saturday, January 27th, happy birthday to Nate Lee and Bowden Tooker. And on the 28th, happy birthday to Tyann Ament and Christopher Long. And happy birthday in memoriam to Eleanor Ament. Monday the 29th, happy birthday to Jason Hibbert and Darcy Weimer. And on Tuesday, January 30th, happy birthday to George Schmalls, Jeremy Minnick, and Haley Grace. All right, guys, that's a wrap for this week from the Trailhead Sound Lab in Natarita, Colorado. This has been a 141 production in cooperation with the Rimrocker Historical Society and the San Miguel Basin Forum. This has been Volume 74, Issue Number 34 of the San Miguel Basin Forum, bringing you all the headlines out of the West End of Colorado for the week of January 24th, 2024. I'm your host, Brock Benson. We'll see you next week. <laughs>